to the Museum of Creative Human Art, where we're inspiring the creation of art in underserved communities. This is the Artist Talk. I'm Mike, this is my co-host, Antoine, and today we have the genius, I, wanna, I call him the genius, um, <laughs> Cleveland-based artist, Davon Brantley. Man, thank you, for coming, thank you for coming out, man. Appreciate you, we appreciate you, man. Um, so man, just to kind of, kind of cut to the chase, man. I want to let you know, man. This is really just a conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, not too, not, not often enough do you sit down with artists, or do you hear people sitting down with artists and just having an open conversation. So uh, we're just gonna dive right in. Um, all is fine. Um, you, you, you had an opportunity to come to this space and create on your own a mm -hmm. exhibition that uh, was titled, and this, and I, we're actually gonna uh, title the show "All Is Fine." Just because I think that that's a, it's a really, um, for me, it's a mystery. It's kind of like, okay, what does he mean by that? And so I really want to kind of, you know, ask you, what does that, what inspired All Is Fine? What inspired you to say All Is Fine? Um, so All Is Fine came from um, just this weird word play I'll do in my head sometimes when I'm making a piece. Like it's something very ominous or mysterious that people are going to be like, what does that actually like go into like what are you talking about and like I started it off based on my website so if you go on my website um, immediately on the home screen it's just all is fine um, and you get to switch through like each one of those uh, words and it'll flip the word to make like a different meaning okay. for the outcome um, and so for me I was thinking about all this fine being like everything is fine with me, everything is okay, <laughs> nothing's wrong, even though my art may not look like it, okay. but like everything is okay and fine. Um, and then it also has that double meaning of like all is fine art, okay. so because it's like I'm a fine artist and that's what I do, I do a little, a little bit of traditional practices and contemporary practices, and so like for me it was that double meaning of like all is fine in a sense for my head and then all is fine art for just you know my art and stuff okay yeah. okay and so i reached out to you um pre-show to say okay who was the most who was inspirational what musician was inspirational who was inspirational during this whole process and you said scissor and the weekend <laughs> so what made them that big? Yes, yeah, that's, that's an interesting com right, uh, right. combination. So, what made them that inspiration? What songs kind of made you say, you know what, I'm about to get busy. It's, it's about to get real nasty in here. So, what what Man, made nasty. them nasty. the two? Nasty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, when we're talking about the weekend, we're about to get busy and nasty. That's just a funny saying for <laughs> in relation to him. But um, I just think those two make music that has the audience feel a certain emotion like whenever you listen to the weekend's music you can't help but automatically go into like oh i'm this sad depressing like emo playboy type of dude like all of his music kind of like relates to that and it puts you in a space in your mind to where you can visualize like what he's talking about or what pain he might have been through and like even with the fact that he's made like the song I can't feel my face when I'm with you and he's mm -hmm. talking about like his drugs and all that stuff with the abuse of drugs and everything but um and then like SZA has that calming tone in her voice and she sings about the same type of stuff though, but it's like a flipped version. Okay. So it's like okay. more, it's not even really more PG, but in some sense, it's like a different, like less X-rated version of the weekend, I guess. Okay. Cause she's like talking about relationships and toxic relationships from that, and from that female perspective, right. but then you have the male perspective of that okay. as well too. So like they both put you in kind of that space to where you get to feel something and even though you might not relate to it in all aspects, you relate to it in some way. You okay. relate to that feeling. Like someone either made you feel that way or you have made someone feel that way. Okay. And so like, that's why they're big inspirations um, within my artwork is because I want people to walk away from my artwork feeling something, even though they may ha not have went through the exact same things that I have went through, but I want, my music to affect someone the same way 
that music affects me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's important with artwork. Well, right. most, <clears throat> most of the paintings and different things that you do, that's, that's kind of like your go-to, are those two artists? Or is it, um, do you, do, I mean, I'm pretty sure like a lot of the work that you make um, probably is inspired by different artists, but those mm-hmm. are the main two go-to albums that you pull up when you, when you I mean, I know The weekend got a few albums that, that 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 kind of kind of go. So yeah, is it a particular like song? Because I know when I'm painting and drawing, it's a particular. Sometimes I get caught on a song mm-hmm. through a whole piece. Sometimes wow. okay. And so is it a particular like tone, a particular like song or songs that you kind of tend to like go to when you're coming back to the piece? Um, I would say there's not really a particular song. Gotcha. Um, because I draw from a lot of different, you know, resources for yeah. art. Um, and so though those two are big inspirations to me, um, gotcha. I would say that I do go out of my element a little bit. Because um, I listen to like actual traditional R&B when I'm like gotcha. um, going back to a piece. And I'll just think about like those old songs by El DeBarge or something. <laughs> and like <Okay. laughs> that'll like help so, 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 me too. Jeezy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll listen to Jeezy too, but like, but (laughs) (laughs) like I'll listen to like all of those and like Lauren can attest to that too. It's like all different types of music that I listen to. Um, But when I'm in my studio, I'm, it's it's actually pretty quiet to be honest. Like if there is music playing, it's all in here, like all in my head. So it's not like something that I'm like, I'm having headphones in or anything or it's just like I'm letting that piece kind of communicate back and forth with me, yeah. and I'm making a music or a soundtrack in general for that. And so I'll just think about different lyrics or mm-hmm. yeah. uh, different tones that I've heard before, and sense. In that, in that, in that sense, to like when you're like using the brushes, it kind of yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, and it kind of plays off of each other, and so. Yeah, I okay. think that's okay. more so. Now, so my, when you say, speaking of the feeling, emotions, those are words that I'm getting from you when you're describing The weekend and you're just describing SZA and their music. Uh, one of the things that, one of, some of the feedback that I got from a lot of attendees, they said, I can feel the pain, I can feel all the different things, that all the emotions that come off of these, these paintings. And so, uh, silhouette is one of the think one of the the paintings that you've done on the wall and uh, can you describe what especially for the people that are listening can you describe what silhouette was all about yeah. what made you create that to say okay I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give these attendees an experience can you kind of describe silhouette yeah um, so silhouette was a revamp of a drawing that I did it was called on site and it was about how um, African Americans have become targets, especially now in 2020. Um, but throughout history, we have been targets to, you know, racism, oppression, police brutality, um, and just, you know, targets in general when it comes to like the sexualization, you know, of African Americans, especially both um, black male and black women. Sure. Um, but it was about that, and it talked about you know that allure that we get because um, in the in the original piece, the actually the actual body is rendered, and it's, mm. it has like a glow to it and allure, and it's playing off that bias that we have towards you know light skinned people that they're okay. you know <laughs> oh, yeah. like better to look at, <laughs> and especially like when you look at Western art, okay. you know a lot of those bodies and those figures in the museums are you know, fair skinned people. Sure. You don't necessarily see a lot of darker skinned people like within there. Yeah, or like, yeah, unless they're in the background or something horrible is happening to them. <laughs> but um, I was playing on that allure and that duality, like, yes, you know, I'm a light skinned person. I do love the fact that I am African American and stuff and that, you know, I do have a fair skin and stuff, but also there's a lot of negatives to that because I am very privileged in a lot of experiences that not a lot of my darker skin friends may have those privileges. And so um, I left the face as a silhouette 
mainly because I wanted people to put themselves in that position. Yeah. Um, and you'll see like a red halo over it, and that red halo um, plays homage to you know those Renaissance paintings where there's halos around saints mm. and biblical yeah. figures and all of that. Um, which usually represents something good, but for us, that red halo can mean that red dot, yeah. you know, that's pointed at us. So, wow. so <laughs> that might red not, dot. Yeah, that red yeah. dot. Yeah. And wow. Um, wow. with this piece, instead of rendering the body, yeah. I just left it completely blank so that now you're entirely putting yourself in there. It's not anything to do with like colorism or anything or yeah. paying attention to that. It's just like, putting yourself in that position and seeing how it feels to have a target on you. That's a fact. I, yeah. I mean, I really love like the uh, the layering and the, and the deep metaphors that you put into that piece. I, I didn't even realize that that halo was like red for a reason. I just thought yeah. it looked cool. And for by you like expounding on that, that detail, man, that makes me love the piece even more now. Yeah. Just, yeah. damn, that's crazy. That and and given that, given that explanation and kind of really going into detail, I think that also gave people who actually came out to the show, gave them an opportunity to see and feel and understand what's going on in your mind, what was going on in your mind. And it, and it almost be step into my shoes for a minute. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, um, yeah. so that was good. So I'm going to say a few um, of the or a couple of the pieces, a couple more pieces. Rape of the sun. Mm -hmm. What? What brought about the inspiration for that piece, man? And, and I know after you explaining it, but I definitely want um, our listeners and uh, to really get an opportunity to feel and also see the piece, but to hear the explanation of what made this piece so powerful. Yeah, um, so Rape of the Sun is a piece that has three different versions of me. And it, the middle version of me is making like a frazzled type of shocked look in there while the other ones are like one on the right is trying to lick the individual the other one is just reaching over in front of them um and that piece was based off of my childhood trauma that i experienced on my fifth birthday or actually before it where i was molested by two individuals and the next day i had to kind of sit at the table and have my birthday and kind of pretend like everything was fine and stuff and so like not a lot of people had known that when I was like a child mm -hmm. but in my head I started to split into different like mental psyches and stuff that helped me adapt to like that trauma so I would deal with sadness in a certain way or anger in a certain way um, based off of what triggered me mm -hmm. in the moment mm -hmm. and with that piece it talks about how that scene played in my head like from that point on wow. and so for me creating that piece um, it is actually showing the audience how that how I process that in my head and how your head can feel kind of like cinematic dramatic mm -hmm. and stuff um, when it comes to recounting trauma because like you can see in the piece there's like a lot of extreme darks in there sure. there's a lot of exaggerated emotions and stuff um, and it just seems like kind of like a snapshot from the Renaissance or yeah, something. Yeah. So like um, what inspired that piece was my personal narrative, but also looking at how people depicted rape in Renaissance art and Baroque art as well too, and sure. seeing how they did that in sculptures as well. Um, and so it really just came from that. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> and so that, that's that's powerful in itself because we deal with young people on a daily on a daily basis that's what we're all about is just uh inspiring the creation of art in underserved communities and so when you do that you're dealing with the underserved the african-american youth mm -hmm. and so trauma is one of the biggest issues yep. today mm -hmm. and so one of the things that i want to point out is that the strength that you have to be able to go into your mind and create something like that that's and then right. speak to it that's mm -hmm. right not too many people can do that and so that's the power that's the strength that's the genius that we talk about that's yeah. what i'm like man this dude is a, this dude is a genius yeah. and so i think that that inspire that piece inspires that and so how can you speak to the young people today the ones that are listening about 
dealing with trauma, but being able to use your creativity to kind of release some of that energy, to kind of, I'm not going to say forgive, but to release some of that energy. Yeah. Like, what's, what's some inspirational things that you can kind of give to the young people? And you may not, but I'm just, you know, asking the question of how can you inspire some young people to say, hey, it's okay, you can use this medium to kind of deal with some of that trauma. That may be a heavy question, but <laughs> it's layered. You know, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely layered. I think um, well, for like baby steps, it just takes, you know, kind of talking about it, um, even if it's with yourself for a little bit, because with me, it was more, it was more so a repressed memory growing up, and it wasn't until it was triggered to where I like fully remembered everything about it. And so after that moment, I was just, you know, frazzled. Um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to talk to it about. I didn't even know if I wanted to expose it to anyone at all until like I was in college and then I just start making work <laughs> out of it and stuff. Oh, okay. But, um, okay. Was that experience just a one-time thing? Yeah, that was just a one-time thing. And like for me, it was me taking the initiative to be like, I'm gonna sit down with myself. I'm going to have this conversation with myself and see what I can do in order to change my perspective on holding all these emotions in. And then like, I'm gonna go to a therapist. So I went to a therapist. Um, I was able to speak to some close friends about it yeah. as well too, which was great. And it really just was a process and I don't necessarily know like the correct steps no, in no, doing no. it, no, no. It's no <laughs> but like, it seems yeah, like, but it's just like it kind of just goes by how what works for you, yeah, what works for you and how you are as a person and stuff. But I do like recommend people, you know, if you have to write in a diary, if you have to do drawings like I do drawings, yeah. or if you have to paint stuff, um, just to do that, or if it's like music therapy that helps mm -hmm. you as well mm -hmm. too. Wow. Um, wow. doing that as well but yeah it just takes you know finding your outlet and just kind of honing in on it okay what, yeah. what about what about like uh i know i just wanted to take you back a little bit further to the the, the art and how mm -hmm. it was inspired um, the inspiration came from like uh, uh early renaissance art and how the figures that we know in museums that we go see every day mm -hmm. that have uh, molestation, pedophilia in it, but we glorify it as if we don't see it. And you actually picking that up through your own trauma mm -hmm. um, and, and actually using that technique, using that the way to do it. But then we walk past this stuff every day. Um, and it, it wasn't until like me having a conversation with you mm -hmm. that we kind of was like, I kind of like was pulling it together. Like, oh, wow. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, how, how, how does, I mean, like, how do you even feel about going into the museums and seeing that type of work, seeing that you experienced that type of thing? And how do you feel about it? For me, um, I've always had a back and forth about it because yeah. it's like you go in there and you're appreciating this artwork and stuff. But I feel like there has been a huge disservice with the audience, yeah. not necessarily the painter or drawer painting it or anything, but the fact that we are walking by these things and we're not really realizing the severity yeah. of these situations. Like the fact that you can walk down into the museum and you can see, you know, Zeus disguising himself as a cow in order to get with the woman. Yeah. We're like, oh yeah, that's just part of Greek myth. And yeah. we're kind of very surface level with it for a little bit, but we don't really acknowledge the fact that this situation is entirely wrong. Yeah. And we're not really learning about why Zeus is doing this and exactly. why it's wrong at all. Exactly. It's kind of like they skip over teaching us that. <laughs> so <laughs> so they're like, yeah. just look over it. It's a pretty painting. So for me, um, I kind of want to flip that. And I want to be like, yo, these situations happen. And this is how that story actually is. <laughs> and this is like what you really should be looking into because there's a lot of you know situations that are talked about in art mm -hmm. history 
to where, you know, there's dozens of people walking through a museum and they're just like, wow, that's pretty. Yeah. And they're not really digging deeper into that mess. Is. Yeah, the, <laughs> what the work is and what that message is. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm going to spend, you know, two seconds with it and, and then move on. walk away. And, and I, think, I think, too, not to cut you off, is what's, what's fascinating about what you're saying um, is the fact that the matter is, as you as a black artist and myself, uh, going into those same spaces and trying to show our trauma, mm -hmm. we get so much pushback. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> just with police shooting, paintings, all this type of stuff, but mm -hmm. we see this stuff all the time. And uh, I just, I just had to ask you and get your point of view from it, just because I just, I, I just know that you're going to have something interesting to say about it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to keep you on this subject <laughs> though. Um, yeah, but it is just <laughs> entirely wrong because it's like we'll see it in a museum and we'll see it as this huge metaphorical painting and stuff but as soon as you know a black artist is showing the like real <laughs> version of it it's like whoa you know back up for a little yeah, bit right, and it's right. like well why should i back up when you have the same exact thing presented in the museum with little cupids and stuff <laughs> but like <laughs> for me when i'm showing you what's actually happened in my neighborhoods in my community and stuff, it's automatically wrong. Yeah, it's just kind of yeah. weird to me. Yeah, so like, man. yeah, it's very, it's very <laughs> hypocritical. And like, for me, I want my art to be very raw and I want people to look at it and be like, yo, yes, something is wrong in this picture. I can't get away from it. That's a fact. And I feel that, and I can't get away from that feeling at all either. And then when you hear me talk about like that specific piece as well too, that just gives you like that whole experience. That's Cause it's like, well, yeah, it's not about some cutesy Cupid flying around, giving love everywhere or something. This is about a boy in pain Absolutely. or a man in pain Absolutely. or whatever. Yeah. So this, it's is, like, this isn't a movie. This yeah. is a real This, this is, is a real, real life. Yeah. <laughs> right. My experience. Okay. My experience and everything. And even though it's, um, I guess I would say very theatrical in my pieces, you still don't really get that romanticized That's feel. A fact. I would say. That's a fact. Yeah. So Lauren. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I know that name that name uh, kind of is close to you and, and it's for a reason so what brought about the Lauren piece so yeah um so there's two Lauren pieces um okay. one is just of her you know kind of it's an off guard shot you know <laughs> I was just drawing her okay. but Lauren is my fiance what's up Lauren <laughs> and um there's another piece where she's holding my head and I'm looking up very enamored and stuff. And um, that was about, you know, after I got out of a toxic relationship. And the story goes is that in the first drawing before that one, um, I have arrows shot through my heart and stuff. There's like a mental break going on in the frame. Um, and there's a little Cupid standing on the arrow that's like through my heart and stuff. <laughs> and he's just dancing around that. So after that experience, I explode and my head lands in like just this dirt, dirt field and stuff. And so Lauren comes by, which her name isn't that in the um, piece. <laughs> but um, she comes by um, and she represents those Valkyrie um, women that were represented back then. Um, they actually came down onto the battlefield of wounded soldiers and yeah. stuff. And they would basically like give them a chance at a second life. And, um, and so when you see me in that piece, um, this is after, you know, I implode on myself from that toxic relationship and Lauren is, you know, grabbing my head and she's able to toss it into a sunflower field where I'm able to grow yeah. as a new person yeah. and I'm able to do that at peace Super and stuff. Man. And like with the piece before that, um, on the bottom, it says, when it all falls, bury me in Calixtus, and it was all because of like the story of St. Sebastian yeah. and how he was buried there after he got sh arrows shot into them while being tied into a tree. So, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so it just goes on into a long thing. So he said St. Sebastian <laughs> gets yeah. shot with an arrow tied to a tree. Yeah. Really? Yeah, so he was like a martyr for his religion. He okay. didn't want to denounce it at all, but you know, back then that was kind of like taboo i okay. guess and um so they took him tied him to a tree 
and they shot several arrows into him, um, and they thought he was dead, but he was not, and they just tossed him in a ditch, and this lady came and found him, and she tried to nurse him back to health as much as she could, and um, she ultimately um, could not, and he passed away, but she gave him a proper burial, and so like, um, within the next piece, you know, with Lauren holding my head and stuff, um, it just goes back to that saying, uh, yeah. when it all falls, bury me in Calixtus. My Calixtus is, you know, the sunflower field. Mm -hmm. So the best so, can't do say today. Yeah, say today, dunk me in the little sunflower field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it, I get it. You know, and yeah, that's what that piece, you know, kind of symbolized. And then also, um, again, with like the Renaissance and Baroque references, uh, there was a story about this woman named Judith and stuff and like tyrant who was taking over her village. Um, he was just, you know, raping women and killing people, eating up all the food, you know, kind of like Craig and yeah. <laughs> eating up all the food and whatever. But um, yeah, he was trying to get her into his tent and she was like, all right, I'm gonna go into your tent, blah, blah, blah. And then she goes into the tent, beheads him, and like comes out with his head on a silver platter and is like, we're all free now, right. and stuff. And that's like um, been done, that's also been painted by like Caravaggio yeah. and stuff okay. as well too, so you can see a lot of wow. references wow. on that. Wow, taking back to college, man. Yeah. <laughs> I tell stories, man, for sure. But, history. Yeah. So and, and I know Antoine just said you know going back to college and et cetera and, and just in and, and really switching gears because I want I wanted to talk about those three pieces but also want to switch gears and give people an, an opportunity to get to know you where you're from and et cetera so where are you from Cleveland yes okay. so you so you you're from Cleveland what high school did you go to I went to Cleveland Heights High School okay Cleveland Heights and college how'd you how'd you make a move to where'd you go to college at I went to the Cleveland Institute of Art. Okay. Yeah. How was that experience? That was fun. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, like with any college, you get, you know, goods and bads and stuff. But overall, it was a great experience. I learned a lot. Um, it was nice because I was coming from high school, which I didn't have any art classes in high school. So I took theater and acting. Gotcha. And I also oh. took like a video production course and stuff. Um, but I didn't take any like traditional art classes <laughs> really? or anything. And so when I got into college and stuff, I was just like, man, this is a whole different speed right. for me, you know? Like, wow. I didn't wow. even know about the fact that there was different types of pencils. Uh, there was in there yeah. talking about right. HB, H, yeah. and yeah. 2, right. and all. I was like, I don't know what y'all talking about, but I'm going to learn, and yeah. I learned. <laughs> Pretty fast, but, too. You yeah. Wrong with those HB yellow pencils and yep. mechanical pencils. Mm -hmm. Mechani <laughs> sure. I still use mechanical. I use oh, a drafting pencil. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> you got to have it. Wow. But, um, yeah, I was just learning about, like, all the different aspects to what it was to okay. become an artist and be in the art field and making connections and stuff. That was the most important thing to me was like, how do I do this? Like, how do I make this into a career? And how do I get better, you know, at my art and making my own style and stuff? Mm -hmm. And I feel like CIA kicked my ass so much that now I'm just reaping the benefits of it. Cause like, now it's like, if anybody comes and talk to me about my art, I know the answers and I know how to talk about it. And like, if people ask me like, you know, what type of papers do you use? I already know that answer. And yeah. why I use the type of papers I use or why I use the type of canvases and all that stuff, so. Properly prepared. Properly prepared okay. and okay. like, it was just a lot for me in college. Um, I would say doing BFA thesis work was like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> um, and so what age would you, do take it, would you start to take it serious? Because um, I'm hearing that you, okay, in, college, I mean, in high school, you were in theater and you were doing all these things outside of the actual practice of drawing and et cetera. So when did you say to yourself, man, you know what, let me start taking this serious. And I asked that because, again, we talk with young people all the time. And so we want to make sure that they understand that it's not an on and off switch. It's, 
It can come later on in life. Mm -hmm. It can, you know, trigger you right now. Mm -hmm. So when did it become like a real thing for you? So where you said, you know what, I'm gonna start taking this real serious. Um, I would say I didn't start taking art super seriously until like my junior or senior year of high school. Okay. Um, Cause I was always doing art and I was just known as the guy that was like, yeah, you can get drawn from Davon down the hall if you need one. You were that guy. <laughs> yeah, I was that guy. <laughs> but like, I was, I was just interested in science and I had a telescope and stuff like I was telling you and I was like looking at the stars and stuff. Yeah, I was a real nerd. I was like, man, like I was really into like just my studies and stuff and just I just didn't think I was going to, you know, make art into a career. So like I think, yeah, I think it was my junior year. My grandmother passed away from cancer and like she always loved my art and everything. And um. I remember going to the hospital and then like it was, you know, we were getting the big news that everything was, you know, all sad. <laughs> but like I had a sketchbook and stuff and I just remember like a week before she was like, you know, don't give up on art, you know, keep doing your thing and stuff and you'll make something out of it one day. And then when I got into my senior year, um, that was when I was talking to you know, the art teacher and asking her, like, what do I need to do to make a portfolio? Like, how do I do that? Here's all the work that I was doing, like, from freshman year until now. Um, so give me a critique. Can I sit, you know, after your classes sometimes and do, like, a um, still life and yeah. stuff? Because she was telling me I needed more still lives and I needed more observational drawings and my stuff. So... Yeah, I was just taking the initiative to okay. kind of get more involved. So I didn't really take it seriously until late. Um, and then I just went to college for it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And one of the most important things I, that I hear in that is you took the initiative. Yeah. <laughs> you said, you know what, <laughs> this is something I want to do. I'm going to go and ask the questions in order to mm -hmm. get the answers that I need in, mm -hmm. in order for me to pursue what I want to pursue. Um, and so who is that professional artist that you say, you know what, there's levels to this. Who do you look at and say, you know what, I still have more work to do? Who do you draw inspiration from? I actually think it's from everyone surrounding me, to be honest. I don't think it's like one individual person. Okay. I think it's, you know, like talking to you guys, like I have learned so much from you two about like the art world and everything and about like you know how to protect yourself and making sure you read stuff <laughs> you know and like kids read and yeah kids read <laughs> but um just everyone you know that that has been very involved in my life and who has supported me and stuff like college professors that I've had that actually took the initiative to be outside of the classroom and tell me stuff and to be hard on me on even like the littlest things because they wanted to see my art kind of thrive even more mm -hmm. yeah. than it was or go further than it was. So it's like, I've just taken inspiration from a lot of people who are close to me um, and even people I see on like Instagram yeah. and stuff too because there's a lot of great artists on Instagram That's and stuff. But yeah, I've just also, have surrounded myself by very good people that I like to call mentors and stuff for point. me, um, just because mentorship is important. Yeah, you yeah. need that. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Okay, so just in, in, in wrapping it up, man, I wanted to ask uh, a little bit more about mentorship and do you see yourself, you know, uh, mentoring at any point some young people who are coming up, or are you interested in that at all? Um, and so, wanted to kind of get your perspective on that. Um, yeah, I think I see myself mentoring um, younger people, mm -hmm. and like I think I do it kind of vaguely, a little yeah, bit sure. with people who kind of randomly message me on Instagram, gotcha. like, "How do you do gotcha. this?" or "Is this normal for like a gallery to be telling me and stuff?" And I would like give them advice yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think I take on that mentorship role, kind of like in informally okay. i guess <laughs> but like it's still something super serious that i talk with them about so yeah i'm mean. interested in that i see what you mean especially 
with dealing with so many young people, you, you want to see who's serious. Yeah. Who's yeah. really serious, especially nowadays. So I can I can almost I see what you mean. And, and I think that those young people who actually come to you mm -hmm. and they're serious and they're persistent and they're all they're, they're just nagging you. You almost mm -hmm. see, OK, I'm going to help this young guy yeah. really become who he's trying to become. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that, yourself. absolutely, yeah. duplicating yourself, exactly, sure. exactly, man. Um, Being a legend, yes. Man, <laughs> man, legendary, <laughs> absolutely. So we find ourselves at this point, man, opening a gallery and um, giving um, African-Americans an opportunity to exhibit their work, mm -hmm. to take full um, um, ownership over their work and over this space. Do you think that more artists should take this opportunity? Or do you think that it's an opportunity that, that how, can I, how can I say this, man? I'm, I'm trying to say it the right way. And <laughs> I, I, it ain't really the right way. We're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you say what the hell you want to say. <laughs> okay, so, so let, me, let me just say this. Okay, so equity. Equity as a young African-American male having a space like this do you think that it's, it's important for them to take an opportunity like this or seek other opportunities with bigger galleries? Or do you see this, this space as an opportunity to really show what you have? Um, I'd say like all of that. Cause I mean, cause it's like, you should definitely take this up. Like this, it shouldn't be like something you pass up at all because when you do you know, apply for those bigger galleries and everything, you start to see that you don't have a lot of creative freedom to do what you want to do. And with a space like this, you actually have a lot yeah. of creative freedom and you actually get to see, you know, what work you want to put out there, yeah. what type of, you know, settings you want your artwork in That's and who you really want to see, you know, your artwork. Yeah. And like, and it's not bad to still, you know, seek out different opportunities, but it's also great to have this as well too. So it's like, you shouldn't just choose one or the other. Yeah. It's like, you should still be searching for different things and all of that, but also make sure that you do stuff like this mm -hmm. because this is a very great opportunity. Yeah. Like I've done some things in here that a lot of galleries have not let me do in here. <laughs> so, and I've shown work that um, is not really traditionally prepped yeah. in a certain way that galleries want you to prep. Most galleries want you to have all of your artwork framed, no yeah. matter how large it is. Yeah. Um, and especially for paperwork yeah. as well, too. For sure. Like for paintings, it's like a different story. They usually want it wire hanged and all yeah. of that stuff. But like, Within this space, I was able to use my new system of hanging my paper drawings. Yep. And yep. as you can see, it worked out really well. It doesn't damage anything. <laughs> no, the significance of the, of, of the paper, because I know we were having a conversation the other day, and, and you, you actually brought it to my attention about uh, how Japanese uh, hang. Yeah, their wall yeah. hangings and stuff. Yeah. And so, like, for me, yeah, um, I hang my artwork very raw as yeah. is unframed um you can see it like roll up on the ends and all of that stuff and i take inspiration from japanese wall hangings to where um it is nice adorned yeah. and displayed and everything and you can see the weathering and stuff mm -hmm. within those and it's a piece of history and so with mine you're looking at literally like these ripped edges, these yeah. torn edges and everything, um, as if I tore it out of a diary or it has some ageness to it. Um, and I just took inspiration from seeing like that stuff in the museum and stuff. Cause yeah. I pay attention to little details yeah. and stuff while I'm in the museum. Like, Oh, look at that burn on yeah. the corner of the stuff, you know, people like look, people overlook that. They overlook that. And like, yeah. for me, yeah. I appreciate stuff like that. Cause my, Literally, my artwork is straight from my diary and wow. stuff. Like, you're literally looking at my whole entire <laughs> life at this point, and it's like, I want it to be raw. I want it to be presented to people in a raw form, and that's because that's how a diary is, and that's usually how, you know, 
that historical context comes to be in those yeah. Japanese wall hangings and stuff. It's like we're looking at important pieces of history from them, especially yeah. with like African art too. It's like you see a lot of stuff like that, more three dimensional. Yeah. But it's like this is a piece of their history, history and their culture, culture which right. sometimes it's not you know yeah. gained in the right ways. But you know we're still seeing like nothing something important. Right yeah. Because <laughs> we're not supposed that's to be right. seeing some of that stuff, but like. Yeah, that's what I want my artwork to do. Okay. And that's why I yeah. um, hang my drawings like this without a frame and stuff. So speaking, speaking of your work, uh, do you have anything coming, coming soon that people can kind of uh, get prepared for, get excited about? Do uh, you have any shows coming up? Yes. Kind of um, let everybody know about. November 19th, uh, I have a show with the Artist Archives. It's a group show. There's a lot of great artists that will be in there. Um, and it's called About Body, About Face, and it's all talking about, you know, the black body within history and how it's been vilified, sexualized, or basically the different narratives that has to deal with the black body and stuff and how it kind of has been navigating throughout history. Sure. Um, so that's coming up November 19th. Wow. There's going to be a virtual um, exhibition and an artist panel. So yeah. um, we'll be talking. Tune in, <laughs> and then they're all. It'll also be up for I think two months. Two months. Okay. Yeah, and then. That's a long time. Yeah. yeah, and then um. Give us three. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have a. I have another solo show which will have more of my like soft, delicate drawings. Um, in there, it's more of my smaller work yeah. and stuff as well too. It'll be at Young's Art Center, January. And I have a solo show with Bay Arts in, I think it's busy. August. Busy, busy, busy. Super busy. Yeah. busy. Super busy. There's been a lot of emailing. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. I, I got to ask you one question, though, before we wrap up. Um, what, do you, what do you tell the young people out there that want to, uh, that, that, that's looking at Davon's work and they just following your career? And when you become a legend, how do they become legendary? in their own way and in their own walk as an artist. How do you, what's your take on becoming a legend? I would say stay true to yourself and stay true to your artwork and always you know, seek out becoming better than you were yesterday. Yep. Every piece I make, I make sure I'm better than the last piece or I'm doing something that I didn't do the last piece yep. um, just so that you know, it's still the same artwork. You still see Davon in it, sure. but you see that growth and stuff. So it's like, always stay true to yourself and don't let people just knock you down. Cause you know, not everyone's gonna like your artwork or not everyone's gonna support you in the way that you wanna be supported and stuff. It just comes up to you ultimately. And I know that's a lot of responsibility for yourself, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like you have to, you know, sleep with yourself at night. You yeah. have to create that artwork in the studio by yourself. And, you know, you kind of also have to promote yourself as well, too, especially in this day and age where social media is like that ticket for everyone. That's it's okay. like you have to make sure that you're making work, you're putting I'm it out there and I'm watching you <laughs> charging too much for them, for them promotions, for them promotions. Get out of here, Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just making sure that you're taking care of yourself throughout, you know, this journey because it is a journey. And you know, even though you might get, you know, super sad or stuck, or you may not even be selling anything, don't let that affect you. Uh, I didn't sell my first big piece until like a couple weeks ago. So like, <laughs> and that was a that was a major great thing for me because like throughout the years, people have always told me like change up your style or you should price your artwork less and stuff. And like this literal person just bought my piece for what I said it without me changing it. And that was wow. it. So it's like people are out there that you know, wanna support work. you and they will find your work and they will, you know, give you, you know, the world. Somebody bought fidget spinners. <laughs> Somebody bought those. Exactly. <laughs> if someone can make millions of dollars off a fidget spinner, you can Come make on, a man. million dollars off your artwork. That's it bad. might take a little bit to get there. That's but, bad. You Absolutely. Know. And you mentioned uh, social media. And so uh, how can people, you know, engage with you 
do you go live at all and you know how can they how can they follow you um you can follow me on instagram at davon.brantley it's d-a-v-o-n period b-r-a-n-t-l-e-y and i also have a website it's dbrantleyart.com and sometimes I do go live on Instagram when I'm just being silly or if, I, <laughs> if I'm like doing like a little paint demo or a drawing demo and stuff, I'll wear a wig or something. But like, there's <laughs> a little Bob Ross wig or something. I'm planning on getting that one. But right now we have this like short Bob cut thing. That okay. <laughs> okay. okay, so you clowning on there. So yeah, I'm clowning. <laughs> but um, yeah, you can follow me on there and I'll go live sometimes. I also answer people's questions. So if you what have about, any questions. Uh, one more thing before we actually wrap up. I, <laughs> I have one more question, man. I, I mean, because, you know. It becomes I'm 21 over, questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. 31 <laughs> questions. Um, uh, damn. And then, and then just like that. The question just left me, man. Uh, damn, it was about uh, it was about money though. Um, mm -hmm. Starving artists. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a starving artist? Because I know people, and it's just for the kids. I'm just I, I just want to at least get your opinion on this, and I and I want to go home and not ask you this. But <laughs> how do children? I mean, for the for the, for the babies, like Wu Tang for the babies, Davon for the babies. How do you feel? about the starving artists like like get them some encouragement about that statement have you heard that do you feel that i've heard that a lot um there's actually a lot of disrespectful conversations yeah. when you go to weird events and stuff by people like how did is the starving artist thing real and right, right. like what is your real career goal and all that other stuff and it's just like um to me, I don't feel like Somebody I'm... Somebody asked you about a real, real career. Yes. Oh. <laughs> right after I showed them all of the stuff that I was in. Wow. But like... <laughs> were, they, were they listening? Were they they listening? were not listening. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're, you're going to get that question a lot. I don't necessarily see myself as a starving artist yeah. at all. Just because like I have my hands in a lot of things. Yeah. I also have like, you know, a part-time job. I teach all that stuff so i don't necessarily categorize myself as a starving starving artist yeah. and I, yeah i'm eating <laughs> but um i just think it's just gotten so like weird of a term to be honest That's like I, I feel like people just when you talk about the fact that you want to be an artist or that you are an artist they just assume like you're not making any money or you're i mean if you're not in the big museums like you know, how are you making money at all? And people like kind of forget, like, I mean, we do commissions, like <laughs> we sell prints. Um, we do other work. We can curate and get paid for that and stuff like public art, public art, everything. Like there's a lot of different options to make money in art and stuff. It's not tattoos. just a, tattoos. I've freaking sketched up a tattoo design for someone recently as well. It's like it's not just a one-way street it's not like you just go into being an artist and then automatically body you're paint. broke body paint on the strip going to the strip clothes body <laughs> painting people you know <laughs> but there's, there's just a lot of different options and i feel like people would just get the wrong idea from artists and stuff it's like is not really a thing and it's a lot easier to make money in art now that's a fact just because like you have access to the internet That's a and it's like you can absolutely. be on etsy selling things or yeah, you can absolutely. be on big cartel Redbubble. there's all these sites where you can make money and stuff and then it's also you know surrounding yourself by people who are actually going to buy your stuff yep. and like not surrounding yourself with people who are just negative and they're like oh man you you make a great artist and stuff but then at the end of the day they're not trying to support Thanks, you boy. and then they're not trying to like because even if you can't pay for something you can still repost you know my thing That's but like <laughs> why not why not it can lead to stuff i don't have to, to be a, a starving artist but it you're contributing to it <laughs> a sale it, it, it costs yeah. you no money to repost to repost support no. word of mouth all that it's just it's like support. i what think people think have like this weird notion for artists i don't think it necessarily exists i just think it you know it is hard yeah. being an artist because you do have to sell stuff in order to make money yeah. and like 
I just think it's about it's just like any other job. You just have to put the work in in order to see the results. Mm, So it's like, yeah, that's what I would give as advice is just like, just put the work in and it's going to happen. Like, I remember when I was selling art in my middle school, I almost got kicked out of school because I was selling art outside. He was trapping trapping about to arrest him at school. So it's like I was just selling like my little off-brand Dragon Ball Z drawings so and all to, that. They try to lock you up for that. Try to lock me up. Wow. Trapping out the back door. Yup. Outside the classroom. Wow. I was skipping. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. But it's like people just automatically assume everyone's a starving artist, and we all have jobs. Like. So they would they they tried to uh, you know stop your hustle. With the drawings, but homie can sell the Snicker bars and, and all of that, the cakes and all that. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> it's actually like this weird thing with schools that I found out is like you actually have to get like um, permission and certificates and stuff to do the candy what? sales what? on campus. Because even if you are just selling candy yeah, you and you. Heights, so I can see yeah. <laughs> like even if you, you were. doing like, that at Collinwood, I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> they was leaving y'all off the alone. locker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It was like you had to have like a permit or something. It was weird. I got you. Yeah. But well, hey, well, hey, it's just like that in terms of uh, putting in the work and just what being consistent. Being consistent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I ain't got no more questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we are the Museum of Creative Human Art, where we inspire the, the creation of art in underserved communities. Davon, we appreciate you. Appreciate it's you. Just like that. Glad I got to come on. Peace.